0: a device or we will have it on the screen uh, i'm going to read from first uh, john in chapter 4 and I'm going to read verses 7 to 21 but just focus on 7 to 12 in the message but it's a really fantastic i mean all scripture is but uh, as I was Reading it, and reflecting on it, this—it's kind of like this. This stuff that that John is writing, in, in this theme of mending nets, uh, as we've been talking about, uh, of John, the one who was called, was mending his nets. There's something deeply uh, important that 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 helps mend us in the things that he teaches and shares and and exhorts us in. So, uh, in this, um, in this kind of like this hardware of the gospel that we're reading, or Key code, the foundation, the blueprint, the structure, the essential stuff. I pray it won't just seem like, yeah, yeah, I know this. Dear friends, let us love one another. For love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love doesn't know God. Because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us. And sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. that the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in them and they in God. And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. This is how love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment. In this world, we are like Jesus. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. We love because he first loved us. Whoever claims to love God yet hates a brother or sister is a liar. For whoever does not love their brother and sister whom they've seen cannot love God, whom they have not seen. And he has given us this command. Anyone who loves God must also love their brother and sister. I titled this uh, talk, message, Lessons in Love. You may have heard of a song about that in the 80s. And as such as I was indicating before, this, this text, this passage, is like a rich seam. If you're mining something and you come across a rich seam, it's like, this is so precious. Let us just re- stay here. Why would you go elsewhere? Because this is deep and wide and profound and abundant. Lessons in love. On the 25th of June in 1967, approximately 400 million people across 26 countries watched the Beatles perform one of their songs, All You Need Is Love. It got repeated at one of the Queen's Do's at Buckingham Palace, and it didn't stop. If you remember that? All you need is love to do that. Anyway. And they wanted to come up with a simple song that could be understood and across all nations. Well, it, it's a great song. and We can understand the cry of their hearts in writing it. All you need is love. If we would just have kind of love in that song as it was expressed then, all the problems would vanish. I don't think it was quite to the mark. Close, perhaps. But what John wants us to grasp in this deep and wide and beautiful passage is what we really need is God who is love. Actually, even more significantly, what we really need is Jesus who is sent by the Father who is love. We don't simply need to be connected to love. We need to be connected to the Christ, to Jesus, who is the source of love. And when that happens, says John, real love, supernatural love, love which will flow like a river from him into us and out from us to this world to others, then we will come to see and know For ourselves, the wonderful truth. God is love. Lessons in love. The Bible has this deep theme, this flowing river, right from the opening words to the closing chapter. And in certain places, you kind of find these deep pools where love is examined in in a little bit more detail. Song of Songs, chapter 8. 1 Corinthians 13. You know that one, don't you? Love is... And here, too, in 1 John chapter 4, he's already majored on love. It's a theme that's come up again and again, chapter 2, verses 7 to 11. He says that one who is walking in the light, and in chapter 3, 11 to 24, uh, uh, and walking in love is evidence already that we are children of God. Love is one of the chief signs of being a follower of Jesus. And here again in chapter 4, he provides one of these fullest treatments. He calls us aside and says, stop and listen and take hold of this subject that will love may make the world go round, but John wants us to take us to something far more significant. He wants us to take us on this journey to give us this lesson in love about the very origin and source of love that is God. Love isn't just this this kind of force in the universe. God is, and he is love. Love is his very nature, and acting in love is his very essential character. How do I know? Because the cross, the cross of Golgotha, is that everlasting monument and testimony and significant sign to that truth that God is love. This word love kind of crops up a lot in this passage. Did you hear it? Agape. It's used in this passage up to 5, chapter 5, verse 3, over 30 times. If you did one of those Those uh, wordle searches on this passage, love would be in the big, big letters in the center of the screen. Some said that John is the expert on this subject. Paul, sometimes people say, is the apostle who speaks about faith. Peter about hope. James about about living that out in good works. But John is the one who majors on love. That's slightly caricaturing them. Please uh, don't apply that too hard. But there is something that gets John going about God's love. Rightly so. Why? Because we need to have love defined. Expressed our culture, uh, we we uh, think about. If you look at, uh, did a Google search or a, there are other search engines, but about songs about love, we'd have all sorts of uh, opinions about what love is. Love it crops up in the film, films in in books about how love gets worked out. But it's it, it could seem a little bit vague. But John wants to tell us if you want to know what love is, it's Jesus. Jesus and it is defined in what he does. Defined by words like sacrificial, of self emptying, agape. He wants to demonstrate and say that it isn't just in the background, but ultimately love comes from God and is seen most profoundly and demonstrably and the Biggest expression, the biggest example that we cannot get away from is Jesus upon the cross as he takes upon himself the sins of the world. I'm not saying here that only followers of Jesus love. The people who don't wouldn't have any love in them. I'm not saying that those who don't follow Jesus cannot love. The reality is that sometimes those who wouldn't profess a faith in Jesus act in ways that are more loving than those of us who do confess Jesus as our Savior and Lord. Someone without faith is capable of loving, absolutely. It shouldn't surprise us. Why? Because every human being is created ultimately in the image of God. All persons, whether, whoever we are, However broken we have become, however messed up life, has, has uh, ha, the life that we lead either by choice or by happenstance means that we're fractured in so many ways and yet still I believe that we are innately made in the image of God. Messed up, yes, but still able to love. We bear His image. And indeed, God's grace and His goodness is shared in some measure with the whole of His world. It's not the exclusive preserve of just Christians. However, I believe it's true to say that human love, however noble and however highly motivated, whatever the motivation to love selflessly, actually falls short if it refuses to include father and son and holy spirit as the supreme objects of its affection it's quite a big thing to say but john is adamant that we know love because love has revealed himself that that is how love is defined in the person of jesus Love that ultimately fails to honor the greatest love command of all. The command to love God with all that we are and to love neighbor as self as that point of committed, obedient worship falls short of. So lessons in love that John would have us hear. Loving others gives us evidence that we've been born of God. Love one another, he says tenderly. Dear friends, verse 7, love one another. That is, love one another. I know there's a tendency to, to, to pull that apart and, and, and find out how this might be and how to, and, and there's value in that. But his statement is bold and wide. Love one another. Dear friends, love one another. Go on. Love one another. And he repeats it in verse 11 and 12. Why? Because love is from God. Real love, true love. Love that always has its source and origin in God. And whoever loves with this love, uh, this God kind of love, gives evidence, shows that we have been born of God. That if anywhere in the world should see what love is, look, Christians should be witness. Uh, the first witnesses and an example, and exhibit A and B and C, this is what it looks like. Why? Because we've become regenerate in Him. We've been born again in Him and that we are united with Him. We are now living in Him in light and in God's love. Love has its very origin and source in God. And the evidence John would apply is that those who've been born of God are part of a family of believers. Love one another. Lessons in love. Loving God gives evidence that we know God, verses 7 to 8. Not only do those who love with a God-like love give evidence that they've been born of God, but they, and we demonstrate that we know God. We simply don't know about God, but we know him intimately and personally as our Father. Hear what it says. Dear friends, love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Love is the evidence that we know him, not just about, but personally, One of the deepest privileges of being a believer is to know our Father through the Son in the Spirit. Not about, not quoting others, knowing Him. That's not something of your experience yet. I invite you to take that step of faith. Verse 7 is a positive Love comes from God. Love one another. Verse 8 is, is sort of like a negative warning with this important addendum. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. So the challenge of this is that if our life isn't characterized by this God love, a love that cares for enemies, then the logic points to the saying, do you know him? Have you been born of God? Because God is love, John is saying, that God's very character and essence and nature of God is love. When that is in us, we will start to seek to live out of and because of and through that love. William Barclay, a commentator of a previous century, said, Agape is the spirit which says, no matter what anyone does to me, I will not seek to do harm to them. I will not never set out for revenge. I will always seek nothing but their highest good. Not simply a wave of emotion, a deliberate choice and conviction of heart and mind issuing from a deliberate policy of life. In other words, from the faith that we have. An example of it modeled, there are many, but Martin Luther King, Dr. Ben Mays, at his funeral after being killed, said this about Dr. King. If any man knew the meaning of suffering, King knew. House bombed, living day by day for 13 years under constant threat of death, maliciously accused of being a communist, falsely accused of being insincere, stabbed by a member of his own race, punched in a hotel lobby, jailed over 20 times, occasionally deeply hurt because family, uh, friends betrayed him. And yet this man had no bitterness in his heart, no rancor in his soul, no revenge in his mind. And he went up and down the length and the breadth of this world, preaching nonviolence and the redemptive power of love. King himself wrote from prison, hate multiplies hate. In a descending spiral of violence, And as uh, her injury is, uh, is, is inflicted upon other people's, it's easy to hate. But above all, love is the only force capable of transforming an enemy into a friend. For it has creative and redemptive power. God's nature is love. John's logic is this. God is love. Those who have been born of God and know God are God's children. And therefore, God's children have God's nature. And therefore, God's children therefore will love. Love sources God. And we love like God loves. Because we are connected. We are in him. Lessons in love. That love is seen in the atoning death of Jesus. You see, it's one thing to talk about love. It's something else to show it. We're not just talking about and making up some logical progression. We are seeing the Son of God of how God acts, of what God does, and of how God serves from love. If you're hurting and wondering, does anyone love you? And that is a common experience in our world because of abuse or abandonment of betrayal, of being lied to, of misrepresented, of just hurt and wounded you may ask this deep question does anyone love me will i can i ever be loved the truth is yes you are the gospel is a resounding yes to those questions you are loved and will always be loved by a God who is love and wants to shower you and deluge you with his love. How do you? we know? How can I be adamant and categoric on this? Because he sent his son. Jesus matters. To make sure that we don't miss it. John says it twice in verses 9 to 10. God sent his son for you and for me for this world. Lessons in love. God sent his son that we might live. That's why Jesus matters. God's love is revealed. It's made manifest. It's made clear. It's put on public display for us all to see. We are witnesses to this, John says. That God sent his one and only son into this world so that we might live through him. This word only is only used five times in the New Testament, referencing Jesus. And it means uniquely, one of a kind, set apart from everything else. There is no one else, no one else like Jesus. He is the hope. That famous verse written on motorway bridges, John 3, 16. God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son. That the Father sends his Son from heaven because he wants us to know and trust him, that we might live through him. And the shock of the gospel is that God sent his Son that he might die. Wait a minute. Lessons in love. The most wonderful and the most important verses in the Bible. That the initiative here is God taking and loving us. That expresses the magnitude of high and deep and wide, wide is the love of God in the gift of His Son for us. Why does Jesus matter? Because the Father sent Him in the fullness of His love. God didn't send an emissary or an angel. He sent His Son, His one and only unique Son. God didn't send His Son just to live and show, but He sent His Son to die. And this was an ordinary death. Nor was it a simple death of a martyr. It was the death of a savior dying in our place and bearing our punishment. Tim Keller writes and says, rightly, the gospel is that Jesus lived the life you should have lived and died the death you should have died in your place. So God can receive you not only for your record and sake, but for his, Jesus' record and sake. That amazing commentator, John Stott, in the cross of Christ. For the essence of sin is man substituting himself for God, while the essence of salvation is God substituting himself for humanity. A human asserts himself against God and puts himself where only God deserves to be. God sacrifices himself for humanity and puts himself where only man deserves to be. In verses 11 to 12, lessons in love. Love is perfected in us when we love others. The trajectory of John's thoughts is so amazing. That because of his love, as, as the persecuted church we've prayed for have discovered, we have found the greater love in Jesus Christ, that he has appended as we have come to be at peace with the Father and with Why would an Afghanistani believer at the cost of life go door to door? Why? Because of love. Why does Mother Teresa stoop with those at the door of death when everything else would point to say, there's not much you really can do? But in that moment, in the grips and the jaws of death, in a city that celebrates the God of death, to say life is precious and God loves you, even at that threshold, into eternal lostness. You are loved. The greatest challenge of this for us, church, in being mended, is to live knowing that love, but to let that love flow out. That we must share a gospel that people don't really want to hear. That love compels us when others may hate and mock us and say, stop it please, may even kill us as a reward for our faith. We are connected and in Jesus through new birth that we must go and live like Jesus among our friends and enemies. Dear friends, John says again, he wants to build and add to his previous words as we read in verses 7 to 12. If God loves us, in the way that I've described, and he does, just look at the cross. Then we ought naturally, out of a gospel of gratitude and connection to the very source of that love, to love one another. I've made my name known to them, and you will make it known in the world. We also must, not might, sometimes must love. To live every day as those who are born of God, knowing God, experiencing that love, the present tense of God through the sacrifice of His Son to let others know. Because in doing that, it's part of the process of perfection. Perfection. His love, notice at the end of verse 12, no one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. If you want to grow in faith, love. If you want to become more like Jesus, love. I started the service with some verses from Exodus where Moses kind of, Saw but didn't. We live in this new age where we have seen love embodied. The extent of the love in the Son of God dying. And now we're called to follow. We're called to live. Someone says it like this as I conclude. That love brings us to perfection. They were reflecting on how we can love others. And they said this, that the love for equals for those who are like us is good, but it's kind of like a human thing, of a friend to a friend, of a brother or sister to a sister and brother. It is to love what is loving and lovely, the world smiles. It's easy to love your children when they're okay, isn't it? When they're doing everything right, when your friends are just good to be with. That's good love, yeah? He says this, the love for the less fortunate, perhaps if we think, gosh, I'm glad I'm not in their shoes, loving those is a beautiful thing. The love for those who suffer, for those who are poor or the sick or the failures and the unlovely, that's compassion and it touches the heart of the world and it's good. And then he says, what about the love for those who would seem to be better or More privileged. He says the love for the fortunate is a rare thing. To love those who succeed where we fail, that's tough, isn't it? To rejoice without envy, to love those who rejoice, the love of the poor for the rich of the oppressed for the oppressor. That's the love of saints, and the world is a bit perplexed and bewildered by this. But here's where John wants us to go. Love for the enemy. For Jesus. Love for the one who does not love you, but mocks and threatens and inflicts pain. The tortured The tortured's love for the torturer. This is God's love. And that love conquers the world. Remember Jesus says, for those who persecute, you bless them. Pray for your enemies. Love. Lessons in love. In many ways, the Beatles got it so right. All we need is love, in and through Jesus. Amen.